Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Well, welcome to church on a Sunday morning. Amen. It's good to see each of you here, but more importantly, it's good to feel the presence of the Lord. Amen. I I really am excited about today, Tuesday of this week, the Lord gave me a message. And I told Kayla, it was late at night, we were talking, I said, babe, God's given me a message. And I began developing it then. And uh, in my head, I felt like it was a Sunday morning message, but I wasn't about to say that until as the week moved on um, we found out that I would have to play drums tonight so we would have to move the schedule around and I just believe that this morning is ordained of God and uh, don't get quiet on me now I believe it's ordained of God and uh, it's, this is this is this is just right this morning so no matter what you came in here with today, no matter what you carry in the baggage that you face, maybe the mountaintop that you're on, you ought to recognize that God is ordering your steps. Amen. He's not ordering the steps of a sermon into your life. But he is ordering the steps of your entire life. This isn't just God ordaining the time and the season for me to preach a message that God gave me on a Sunday morning when I felt it was for a Sunday morning, but it's much bigger than that. God is ordaining your life and my life and the life of everyone who makes up this church so that we can fulfill His will in this earth, and we ought to just give God thanks that He would even consider us worthy enough. Amen. So, before I read my text, I want to read three other verses that set up my text. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of of their liberality. So they gave liberally in the middle of their need. For I bear witness, Paul said, that according to their ability, yes, and they gave beyond their ability, they were freely willing. Now I want to read my text because in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, The Apostle Paul is, of course, talking to the church of Corinth. He's talking to the Corinthians, but he's talking to them about giving, but giving liberally. And the Corinthian church was a very blessed church. They were a very blessed people in this season. But God, uh, 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 God through Paul, wanted first to speak to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and remind them that people who aren't blessed like you are blessed are giving beyond what they think or what they would normally give because of their posture of worship. And if the least of these can do this, surely the greatest of these can do this. Look at your neighbor and say, he's not preaching about money today. Good. Some of you just got real happy when I said that. You got real happy. You got real happy. But this, I say, 
chapter 9, verses 6 or 7, Paul says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he or she, because it's 2019 and we need to be politically correct, let she give as he or she purposes in their heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I am here today to tell you that God is doing great things in our midst. We might be going through trials. You might be facing a trial. But if you go through that trial knowing that the joy of the Lord is your strength, you will be amazed at what God is going to set up in your life this morning. I speak prophetically. This week has been a very interesting week from our perspective. We've been approached by all kinds of people facing all kinds of different needs from relationships to finances to jobs, some good, some bad. It's been a very overwhelming week because of the range of emotions. But I've come today to talk in the Holy Ghost over this church to those here and not here and let you know that God is in control. God is in control. You are not forgotten. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. I feel the sovereign move of the hand of God in our midst. You may be seated this morning. You can look, we're living in crazy times. It's always easy for a preacher to say that we're living in crazy times, but we are really, really living in crazy times. Uh, There's crazy bad happening and there's crazy good happening in this world. In the middle of, and the pulpit, I believe, is not a place for us to get political, but it is a place where men of God and the people of God should should profess the righteousness of God to the people of God so that in return we could live a righteous life and have a positive effect and change in society where politics often do abound. This week, there's been impeachment hearings. Uh, there's been all kinds of crazy things going against the president, whether you like him or not. I'm not here to discuss that because we have liberal and conservative both in the room today. But while all of this is happening, we also have a president who, whether you like it or not, whether you think he is moral or immoral, because we can debate that both ways, uh, we have a president who is doing incredible things for Christians. We have a president who, who it has never been done that a president has a full-time person on the White House staff who is a pastor and every day gives a briefing and a devotion and she meets with him and she says, look, this is what I think you need to do based off of what scripture says. It's never been done before and weekly I have friends who are in the White House. Pastor has friends who are in the White House on a weekly basis. The uh, 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 Just this week, the General Superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church International was given the opportunity to to go down to the southern border where there's a great crisis going on and and our general superintendent was able to have a voice at the table and he in the coming days and months will even have a greater voice of influence so there is a crazy things happen in the world we are living in, in crazy times but in the middle of all of the craziness uh, God still sits on the throne and I've talked to uh, I, I, I've talked corporately about uh, 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 I thought corporately about our church uh, because it's easy easier for me to talk about the chaos in, uh, uh, that's happening in the greater whole of our country than it is for me to talk about the chaos that's happening in some of our personal lives. It's just a little easier to bear, and it's not quite as embarrassing. But likewise, there's chaos uh, going on in this church and around this church, some good and some bad. Uh, but I've come to discover, and the, Lo- and, and the Lord 
began dealing with me because I began get, I, I, I came under spiritual attack with fear and with worry at the beginning of this week and the Lord began dealing with me about how I approach him the manner in which I approach God is very important the manner in which I approach him when I am on the mountaintop is important and likewise the manner in which I approach him when I am in great need in the valley is equally as important and so that's why I believe Paul was talking to the Corinthian church telling them how cheerfully the poor Macedonians gave in their time of trial but yet how how great they gave and so he talked to the Corinthians in chapter 9 and said God loves a cheerful giver and I've come to tell somebody today that I have not come to preach about money but God loves a cheerful giver God loves a cheerful worshiper God loves a cheerful saint of God God loves someone who's giving of their resources of what God has blessed them with when they do it not out of necessity, as Paul said, but they do it out of love and out of purpose in our heart. So the manner in which we give of ourselves to God is equally as important as is how we approach God. Both of these things are very important. Paul was giving the Corinthian church an opportunity to give of their finances or of their possessions, if you will. Um, uh, 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 He was giving them the opportunity to give to something that is much greater than they are because Paul Paul was trying to teach them that it is important for us to be a part of something that is greater than I. That's why the local church is important. That's why the local church is ordained of God. That's why the early church was birthed in the book of Acts because it's not enough that we just be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but we must be attached to something that is greater than us. We must be attached to something that is not solely about us, but we must be attached to something that is about a common goal, a common cause, and that is pushing the will of God forward on this earth. Second Corinthians chapter 9 and 10 says, now may he who supplies seed to the sower, now pause, he's continuing, he, he, he's continuing his letter to the Corinthian church uh, saying God loves a cheerful giver, but now may he who supplies seed to the sower, now uh, he is God, now God who supplied seed to the giver and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness when you read this verse at face value it's often hard to understand but God does not provide because we ask him to provide but according to the apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 uh, 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 God supplies to those who are already given. We can find this in the parable of the talent. Two, uh, 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 one person went and buried their treasure or, or their talent. They did not multiply it. Uh, others multiplied their talents. And what did God do? He pulled his blessing. He pulled, he pulled his hand of provision off of those who were being conservative with what God had blessed them with. And he gave that seed to someone who would sow the seed back into the kingdom of God because it's God's will for our life not to be conservative with how we serve God, not to be conservative to how we live for God, 
not to be conservative to how we love others and give even oftentimes of our finances to others and the house of God, but it is important that we not stay conservative, but we have dreams and visions that are bigger than us. And let me pause and say this, if the dreams and visions for your life are are, are achievable by your own doing, you are living underneath God's potential for your life. And likewise, the principle is so of this church. If our vision is, is, is small enough to where we can accomplish it without the hand of God, without the sovereign provision of God on ourselves, we are not only failing God, but we are failing ourselves of the provision of God. Because when we sow, Paul said God provides seed to the sower. So it's an investment that the more that we invest of who we are and what we are into the kingdom of God, the more God gives to us. So when I have a need, God provides my need. But then I recognize that God's provision is not for me to sit and be comfortable, but God's provision is for me both for my need to be met, but then to both sow back into the kingdom of God. And as I sow, uh, as I sow bigger because God's provision is bigger, my next need becomes bigger. And so God's next provision is yet bigger because my need is bigger. But then I continue to sow back into the kingdom of God. And that's how churches grow. Not just because we give more money, but because we buy in more passionately. Why? Because God met me at my last need. And if he met my last need, surely he will meet my next need. Has God ever provided a need for you? Oh, I'm thankful that we serve Jehovah Jireh, my provider. It's very easy. It's very easy for us to forget that God supplies seed to those who have made their resources available to God. You want to know why I talk about some of us have lived for God for a long time or a short time, but it's been the same month over again or it's been the same year over and over and over again? It's because we have forgotten that God supplies seed to those people who make themselves available to God. You look across the church and say, well, why are they just continuing to be blessed? Why are they continuing to prosper? in areas of their life uh, that mine is not. You want to know why? Because they have made themselves available to God. I was talking to a family member this past week who's going through a great trial in their life. They're making making less than 50% what they made last year. It's hard to do that when your expenses don't change. And so I began to encourage them. And I said, look, you need to recognize that God can give you a new job or God can change the hearts and the mind of the executives where you're at and they can put you back on the same pay scale that you were on before and your commissions will equal. God can save you and provide for you where you are at or or he can provide a new way. And then I took it a step further and I said, look, you need to recognize that your job is not your provider. Your job is your employer, but God is your provider. And somebody today needs to recognize that you serve a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And no matter what your need is in your marriage, God can supply your need according not to your riches, not according to your goodness, but according to his riches in glory. We serve a God of glory. We serve a God who is rich in glory. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. Very easy for us to become selfish and only ask God to provide our needs. 
Lord, feed me. Lord, provide for me. Me, 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 me. I want to talk about me. I want to talk about I. I want to talk about me, myself, and I. Is what one good Christian gospel southern country artist wrote about. We expect God to serve us while oftentimes we offer him nothing in return. God is not a buffet. God is not a genie in a bottle. God is the God who desires relationship with us. You do recognize the only reason that you and I exist, off of the Holy Ghost this morning, the only reason you and I exist is because Lucifer rose up with pride, and so, and so God kicked him out of heaven along with all the other fallen angels, and so you and I are only a byproduct of a void that God had. God does not need me to serve him. He is God all by himself. He is Elohim. He is Jehovah Jireh. He can provide for himself. God wants us. That's why when I walk into the house of God and I worship him, I'm not doing God a favor. That's why we are to enter humbly before him because God does not need my worship. God does not need me preaching this morning. He can wipe me off and next week there'll be someone else in my stead. God does not need me but it is a privilege to be used by him. Therefore when God blesses me I will sow back into the kingdom. We expect God to serve us, but sometimes we struggle. Not you, me too. We struggle. All, we struggle because we sometimes offer nothing in return. Now, can I get a little close to home with us this morning? We want the benefits of healthy relationships without sharing time and devotion together. My wife and I want the benefits of a healthy marriage. I definitely, come on, man, we definitely want the benefits of a healthy marriage. Can I get an amen? amen? But the only way that happens is if first I submit to God and I love my wife as God loves the church. Paul also wrote about that in Corinthians. And so for me to love my wife as God loves me, uh, that requires much more than physical interaction and physical intimacy. It requires something that only God can give me. Uh, and when I meet my wife's emotional needs uh, and I meet the needs that she has, uh, then she can in return meet the needs that I want to met. Uh, it is important for us to realize uh, that if we want healthy marriages, uh, we must spend time and prayer and devotion uh, together. Go on all the sweet honeymoon weekend trips you want to. Uh, that's good. I, I'm hoping to do one here the next few months. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, but that will not make my marriage healthy. Uh, the only thing that will make my marriage healthy is what will make me healthy. And that is the blessing of God and the approval of God on my life. Our spouses make us happy. Yes, they do. And that's a good thing. I'm thankful that my wife uh, makes me happy. I'm thankful that she puts a smile on my face. I, I like going in public with my wife because I like showing her off. I, I am thankful for that. But the second that I expect her to validate me as a human being is the second that I will begin walking down a pathway of destruction and unfulfillment because my wife, even though she meets a lot of the needs that I have and I meet a lot of the needs that she has, we will never fill the void in our life that God is intended to fill. That's right. 
So sometimes we struggle in our marriages, not because we are not giving to each other, because we are giving to each other, and you are giving, you and your spouse are giving to each other, but you are not giving back to God in your relationship. God wants more than your tithes, church family. That's what I've come. I haven't come to talk about money. I've come to talk about your life. I've come to talk about you being available. God wants you to be available to His plan. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't want my will in heaven because heavens will be just like earth. But I want heaven's will on earth so that I can experience a little bit of the goodness of God on earth that will hold me over until he calls us home. So if we want healthy marriages, it's important that we invest in our relationships. We ask God to save our children but we don't bring our children faithfully to the house of God. God can fill your child with the Holy Ghost in the car, at home, in the swimming pool, on the monkey bars while he's hanging upside down. God can fill your child with the Holy Ghost anywhere, anytime, for any reason, and it's not up to us. But what our children need to know is God doesn't just meet them where they are for their convenience sake. But there comes a time in life where we have to make ourselves available to the plan of God. And not just try and squeeze God into our life while we have fun. It's very, very, very important that our children realize that faithfulness not just to the house of God, but faithfulness to the cause of God is important. Why? Because God supplies seed to the sower. I'm not just sowing seed when I give of my offering. I'm sowing seed uh, when I do a good deed. When my child, Preston, came to us a few days ago, we, we, uh, we were so proud. Now, probably the next day, he probably disappointed us, and he just didn't come and tell us that he got in a fight on the playground or something like that. But one day, a, a, a kid in his class was being bullied, uh, bullied, and he stood up for that kid in his class, and he came and he told us about it. And this is something that we are always, uh, always on top of. And so when we teach our children these things, what we are doing as we're teaching them that God supplies the seed to the sower. God supplies his blessing, what we need to the, God supplies what we need after we give God what we have. We're waiting on God to move, but we are messed up. We're waiting on God. God, but, but in all reality, God is waiting on us, church family. If you're rich or you're poor, give God all your money. If it's $10 million or $10, and it's insignificant to God. He is God. He's God. But he still requires us and desires us to give to him. In other words, God doesn't supply us with the end product. He supplies us with the seed, and we must plant that seed to reap a harvest in our life. Are you reaping a harvest in your marriage? Good, it's because you're planting healthy seeds that God has given you. If you aren't planting, if you aren't reaping the harvest, check what you are sowing. Check where you are sowing. Check how you are sowing or if you are even sowing at all in your life. If you need God to perform a miracle in your life, the best thing to do is start sowing seed. Start sowing seed. Or if, if, if you want to get what you need, you need to give what you have. 
You need to give what you have. Quit waiting on God. You take a step of faith. God said, prove me this day. You ought to try God and see if he will provide the issues, if he will provide the answers to the issues that you are facing in your life. I like what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. Give and it will be given unto you. If you go read Luke chapter 6, Jesus is not talking about money. The verses just before this, Jesus is talking about judgment. He is talking about judging others. He's talking about this This is not a money principle. This is a life principle. If you need friends, you must show yourself friendly. If you want your wife to be nice to you, you should probably be nice to your husband. If you want your kids to be respectful to you, your kids should probably see you being respectful to other people and to them because lest we forget, Scripture also says parents provoke not your children to anger or to wrath. It is a two-way Give and it shall be given to you. If you want the heavens to be open in your life, we must grasp the principle of giving, giving, giving. Not just of money, but who I am. I will give you of my love. I will give you of what I have. Genesis chapter 21 says this, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken to her. Abraham and Sarah had been hoping for a baby. They were, the, God had promised them a baby. And from the time they had first wanted a baby till when the promise of God was fulfilled was over 20 years. Some say it was 25 years. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. So the promises of God were fulfilled. Abraham and Sarah prayed for a baby. And so many of us today are praying for that, that God would provide our needs and our desires. And that's a good prayer. Uh, God promised them a baby. And, and so many in this room have received promises uh, from God in your life. Uh, but what we must understand is Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years uh, for the promise of God to come to pass. Uh, don't get discouraged in the waiting. I, I don't care how bad your situation is. I, I don't care how good your situation is. Uh, don't don't get discouraged in the hallway of life. You might, be, you might be between two rooms in your life, between the provision of God and where you used to be. You're in the hallway. Don't lose sight of what God spoke to you in the hallway of life. After years of praying and trusting God, Abraham and Sarah passed the test and were given their miracle baby. We celebrate that. We preach this. I preach this. And it sure is a good preach. But what we must understand is that after they passed the test and God provided them with their baby, another test was presented. Because in the kingdom of God, when you pass one test, that just means a greater test is coming. Life will never get easier. You will always have to rely on faith. Your faith will always have to grow. Why? Because one test brings forth another test. One victory brings forth another trial. And that trial brings forth a greater victory. Genesis 21, verses 1 and 2. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. Abraham said, here am I. Then God said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. On one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So we know the story. He's walking. He don't even know where he's walking. He's walking literally by faith and not by sight. I've always associated the story, church family. 
Maybe you have to, maybe not. Maybe you're, you, you probably are more spiritual than me and don't struggle with some of these things like I do. I've always associated the story with sacrifice, but nowhere in this chapter is the word sacrifice mentioned. Nowhere. It says, but God, God said, give a burnt offering. God doesn't say sacrifice. He simply says burnt offering. And, and, and this is why. It's not sacrifice when it doesn't belong to you in the first place. That boy did not belong to Abraham and Sarah. That was a promise of God that God gave them. Just like everything we have is just something that God has. Everything I have is on loan from God. It's not mine. It's God's. And so when we give back, when God asks us to give, it's not sacrifice because it doesn't belong to us in the first place. This is not a story of sacrifice. This is a story of availability, church family. And I think what God wants us to realize in this season of our life is that when, when we are available to him, nothing is impossible. Let's get quiet because we're getting real close to the issues that we face in this life. The carnal mind cannot see the difference between sacrifice and availability. Because when I look at this, uh, when I look at this uh, circumstance with my carnal eyes, I see sacrifice. And you see sacrifice. I'm sure that as Abraham was walking with his son, with the donkey, and with his servants, he felt like it was sacrifice. It was not easy. But when he began to look through the eyes of the Spirit of how God was leading him, he recognized that this has nothing to do with sacrifice. This has everything. This is a test from God on whether I am available for his will. Is my life an open book? Is everything I am available for God to use? This was an important lesson, not just for Abraham, but for that boy. This was an important lesson because what Abraham was teaching his son was, look, you have seen dad. You have seen dad sacrifice, give everything he has. You've seen dad willing to even give you up for the cause of the kingdom. But because you saw dad be obedient to God, God provided what we needed. But first, Abraham had to be willing to lay his boy on the altar to offer him up unto God. Why? Because when we sow to the kingdom of God, God will give back to us and the cycle continues and continues. So I ask you this question this morning. Are you so focused on your needs that you are missing an opportunity to be a part of someone else's miracle? What miracle are you missing out on in your life because you are only focused on your needs? I know it's tight. I know, I know, I know. You can go to Matthew chapter 14, though, and you see the same scenario playing out. John the Baptist was just beheaded. John, John the Baptist, he was, he was the dearly beloved. He was John the Baptist. Everybody loved John the Baptist. He was close. He was a disciple. After they buried him, Jesus and the disciples went off to rest in a deserted place, a mountain. It was somewhere far away. It was somewhere, my phone is going off. Don't you love group text and technology? How somehow it just all links together with iPads and computers. They went off. They were mourning. Matthew 14 13 says, when Jesus heard it, babe, please tell them to quit texting. Thank you. Uh, 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 when Jesus, this little, just a little housekeeping issue there. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat 
to a deserted place by himself. That's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny right now. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. Jesus and the disciples had a need. They needed rest and they needed to mourn. Their brother, their friend, their fellow disciple, Jesus' follower was just brutally killed. He was decapitated. It was as nasty as it gets. They had a need. But when they got to the deserted place, the crowd was there waiting on them. When they got to where they were going because they had a need to rest, there were others with needs waiting. Matthew 14, 15 through 16 says this, When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away. So when they got there, there were people waiting on them at this deserted place where they thought no one would be because they themselves had to get there by boat. There wasn't Twitter. There wasn't Instagram direct messages. There was no Snapchat. There was no TikTok. There was no email. There was no FedEx. How did these people know that Jesus and the disciples were going to be there but yet they met Jesus and the disciples there when Jesus was going to pray and the disciples were trying to rest there were people with needs waiting on them the reality is the disciples were hungry, they were tired and they were wanting downtime they were not wanting to minister they were not wanting to meet the needs of people but God was trying to teach the disciples a lesson that by serving a greater purpose than your own, by meeting someone else's need more than focusing on your own need then your need will be provided. That's why the strength that God gives us is not so we can come in and and just enjoy a good service or or the finances that God gives us is not just so we can live a nice luxurious lifestyle and I haven't come to preach against that. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the blessings of God but when the blessings of God flow to us and we put a dam in our life and we block the flow of the blessings of God out of our life to someone else. We are not meeting the needs of other people but we become self-centered people. I know self-centered people. I know self-centered churches. I know self-centered businesses and they never go far in life. They aren't attractive. They aren't living up to their full potential but something powerful happens in the life of a when they say I might have a need I might be sick but I'm going to the house of God and I'm going to pray for somebody else I might not have all that I think I need at this time but I will not withhold my tithe I will still sow into the kingdom of God I might have problems in my marriage but I will still get to the house of God I'll put a smile on my face when I feel like crying I might have problems in my career I might feel unfulfillment, but I will push on. I will focus on someone else's need. 
And when I focus on the need of someone else's, somehow during this supernatural transaction, I will look up and my marriage will be healed. I will look up and my career will be fixed. I will look up and my morning will have been turned into dancing. I've come to preach the word of God to somebody and say, the answer is not in receiving. The answer is in giving. And are there any givers in the house of God? Are there any worshipers in the house of God? Are there any sowers in the house of God this morning? Could you stand to your feet and give God praise? That's it. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the winds of glory flowing through. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, for the Holy Ghost. Keep that up for just a moment. Uh, Something is moving uh, and something is changing in somebody's life this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the story continues. And they said to Jesus, we have here only five loaves and two fishes. These people are hungry. I can't provide their food. I came here to mourn. And Jesus said, bring me the loaves. Bring me the fish. And he multiplied it. But keep in mind, the disciples had not eaten either. But he said, don't you eat it. You go and you pass it out. He said, I am not. Look, look, the provision, the miracle took place by Jesus. But the provision took place. The disbursement of the miracle, the disbursement of the blessing of God came from the people of God. Look, I'm here to tell you God might bless you but it's not for you. God might multiply the fish and loaves in your marriage, in your career, and in your finances but it's not for you to keep. It's for you to walk outside of your house and find somebody who's hungry just like you are. To find somebody whose marriage is a wreck just like yours and you tell them, look, such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Peter met that man with a need and he said, I can't give you what you need, but I can give you what I have. And I've come to tell somebody in the room this morning, if you give what you have, God will provide what you need. If you give what is available to you, you watch as God provides. In the name of Jesus. Our greatest opportunities for blessings come when we are presented with our greatest needs. But such as I have, I will give. I'm not living life looking at my own needs. I'm not living life looking at the own. Look, this church has needs. This church has budget issues at times. But guess what? We're still giving in a Morocco offering next week. Tomorrow, we're giving $500 to a family who lost their mother and had no life insurance and who was forced, who was looking like they were going to have to sell their possessions to pay for a funeral. They were going to sell their cars to bury mama. But guess what? Thanks to your faithfulness, you're meeting somebody at their point of need. You're already doing it. You're already making a difference and you don't even realize it. But let me encourage you today. Keep on giving because as you give, someone else's need is being met. And don't come up with excuses. This is something that God dealt with me. God gave me this part of the message Tuesday and I had to work all week to get to form the rest of the message around it. There's a widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings chapter 17. She offered excuses to Elijah. Elijah said, look, come here, go back to your house, bake me a cake, and feed me. 
And this is what she said. I would give you food except the excuse. I am going home to feed my son one last meal and we are going to die. Oftentimes, church family, not you, but me, we, we feel we can't fulfill the plan of God in our life because we have lack. We have needs. That's a natural feeling in the flesh, but it is not a natural feeling in the spirit realm. So could it be this morning, hear me, hear me this morning, could it be that God desires to use what we are making excuses for? I believe he is. I believe it. Oh, I would do this, except all I have is this. Oh, I would, I would participate in the Morocco offering, except I've got this bill. I'm not belittling your situation. Please understand, I'm not trying to manipulate you to give. I, I'm, this is not manipulation. I want to open this business. I have this dream, but I don't have a high school diploma, much less a college degree. I can't do this. But what did Elijah tell the widow? Go home and make me a cake. And we know the story that the barrel never went empty. Look, she pulled everything that was in the barrel out. Everything she could see, she pulled out. Everything she could get her hand on, she pulled out. But when she went back to it, she didn't see everything that was in there. There are things in your life that you can't see because you won't get your hands on what you can reach. And if you get your hands on what you can get a hold of and you relinquish control of that, you make that available to the plan of God in your life and you watch as the barrel never runs empty. Listen to me. I'm here to tell you this morning that there is blessing coming to this church, not because we are good, not because we are great. I'm not talking about money either. I'm talking about a heritage. I'm talking about your children getting saved. I'm talking about husbands and wives far from God coming back. I'm talking about a harvest, a revival, a prodigal, and the harvest of new believers. It is coming. The blessing and the favor of God is coming. But it only comes because we say, God, it's yours. Here's the barrel. Here's everything I have. Take it, God. Take it and use it. Use me, oh God. I'm willing to spend and be spent. Gather with me this morning around the altar. Please just come. If you're in the right section, come to the right side of the church. Amen, amen, amen. In the name of Jesus. I believe right now the Lord's about to work in somebody's heart. You come with your needs. You come with your issues. You come this morning. Look, I haven't come to call anybody out. I haven't come to embarrass anybody. I haven't come to make you feel uncomfortable. I've just come to tell God, you give God what you have. You make yourself available and watch what God does. Taylor and Megan, make yourself available and God watch what God does. You don't have to experience some of the struggles that some newlyweds do if you just make yourself available to God. You make yourself available to God today, church.